It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Eric Cartier at Rocky Mountain Calvary in Colorado Springs. Hope that you're having a great Friday afternoon. Thanks so much for taking the time to join in and participate and be part of today's show. The heart and purpose of our program is for you to be able to call in with questions about the Word or things that are going on in your life, really praying for breakthroughs in people's lives today. Maybe you find yourself in the midst of trial or or struggle. Uh, You'd like someone to pray with you, like someone to get into God's uh, Word with you. That's why we're here. The number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Also, you can send in a text 720-336-0897. want to welcome all of our listeners in Colorado and Wyoming and also on the East Coast at Hope FM as well. want to begin today's show with Psalms 23. I've been meditating on Psalms 23 today uh, and praying this in my life and my family and for our church. It's a great thing to take this very famous psalm and to pray it in and make it personal. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus declared to us that he's our good shepherd, and he longs to shepherd us. And to make this our prayer of of Jesus, would you shepherd me? Would you lead me to green pastures? Would you lead me beside still waters? Would you restore my soul? Lead me in the paths of righteousness. Christ definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, desires to be that in our lives this afternoon. Again, you're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Eric Cartier. We are live in studio. We do have all of our lines open. If you've got a question about a section of Scripture or a situation that's going on in your life, feel free to pick up the phone. The number is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Also, you can send a text at 720-336-0897. I'd like to invite you to our services at Rocky Mountain Calvary in Colorado Springs. We have a service Saturday night at 6 and Sunday morning at 9 and 11. We're currently going through the book of Daniel. We're in Daniel chapter 3. Also, if you're outside of Colorado Springs and you'd like to join us uh, via our live stream, you can go to our website, rmcalvary.org, and look at the teaching page. So, Thank you again for uh, joining me this afternoon. I hope that you're having a good Friday afternoon as you're driving down the road, maybe still at work or home for the evening. If you've got a question about the scriptures or things that are going on in your life, feel free to give me a call, 303-690-3000. 
Hope that you're encouraged today by the truth that Jesus is your good shepherd, that he desires to uh, restore your soul. There's nothing like meeting with the Lord. You know, so many times we find ourselves revived and refreshed as we meet with the Lord. Maybe you find yourself walking through a valley, uh, the shadow of death. He's with you in that valley. He's walking with you. We don't have to fear evil because his rod and his staff are with us. What a wonderful shepherd we have in Christ. Let's go to line one to Jacob in Wellington. Jacob, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks, Pastor. Thanks for taking my call. Um, You bet. So I just had a question. So I'm I'm on a previous um, radio program. I I heard you talking with someone. They were having marital problems, and you recommended a book called, uh, or maybe it wasn't you, it was someone else, but it was uh, Preparing for Marriage by by Rainey. And uh-huh. so I've actually kind of been reading that and going through that. I'm I'm single right now. Um, I'm actually divorced. I've been divorced for about eight years now. Um, okay. And I came across a question in that book that kind of stopped me in my tracks, and I think I know the answer, but I, I just wanted to ask a pastor and get maybe some more godly counsel on this. Um, okay. Basically saying, you know, if if you've been divorced in the past and it was outside of the reasons that are given by the Bible, which I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, are basically limited to um, infidelity, then... You know, are you are you released to get married again? And um, you know, basically, the the book is designed to talk over these things with a pastor or someone you're doing premarital counseling with. But yeah, just kind of been wrestling with that question and wondering how that applies to me. Um, that wasn't the case when I got divorced eight years ago, and so I'm just kind of like, yeah. Just wondering what your okay. thoughts are on that. If you don't mind sharing with me just a little bit more uh, of your story, um, yeah, were you a believer? Were you an unbeliever? Uh, did you choose to end the marriage? Did your wife? Was it mutual? It was. It was mutual. Um, so, a little backstory without taking us too much time, but we um, we got pregnant before we were married and decided to get married out of that Mm -hmm. and kind of figure out things afterwards and Mm -hmm. um, it just it it never happened and there was a lot of hurt and pain and grief and self-condemnation that we put on ourselves we really isolated ourselves and we were married for about four years um, before things were spiraling out of control we finally made the decision little too late to try and get counseling and Mm um yeah basically we ultimately were just we both decided to get divorced and okay yeah and then was she a believer an unbeliever yeah uh we we we're both believers okay yeah and then where are you now like are you uh, in a relationship, considering getting remarried or just starting to kind of pray and study if the possibility comes in the future? Correct. Yeah, it's it's more, um, you know, I'm I'm in a, a friendship that, you know, right now is just very just getting to know each other. It could turn into something more, but even if it doesn't, I'm just I'm wanting to 
toward the future and um, yeah, for the possibility of you know my heart's desire is still to have a, a long term committed biblical marriage, but it's with like just thinking about that question with regards to reconciling that marriage that ended eight years ago. I I know that she wouldn't be interested. I'm I'm not even remotely interested. So it's like it, it kind of just kind of boggles my mind to even think about that. And then yeah. you know I have these thoughts of like, well, am I condemned to basically never be married again because of that? I don't know. Yeah. Well, let me try to give you a full answer. You know, um, the kind of the passages that address this in Scripture are Matthew 19 and 1 Corinthians uh, 7. And, and you're right, the only allowance that God gives for a divorce is sexual immorality in, in Matthew 19. Uh, and then in 1 Corinthians 7, we see that uh, if you're married to an unbeliever and they depart, the, the Scripture says that you have peace in that. Like, uh, you're, they chose to, to, to leave uh, the marriage. And so it then kind of provokes that question of, of where does it uh, leave you? And I, I believe that God is a God of grace uh, and a God of restoration. And we don't take that lightly. Um, but God in his grace uh, could allow you to get remarried. Now, now having said that, I always counsel couples, um, if you've been through a divorce and, and there was not biblical reasons for for the divorce, uh, is to really uh, go before the Lord and, and ask of the Lord for forgiveness, you know, acknowledge before God, Lord, I know that that was wrong, that that wasn't your, your plan, and allow God to teach you whatever is necessary so that you don't repeat those same mistakes uh, in a future marriage. You know, a lot of times people um, they 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 get a divorce. They never really take the time to to look at that before God, uh, to repent before God, to to look at themselves and go, man, what did I do to contribute to the end of that marriage, and how have I grown um, in order for the the future marriage to to be different? So those are, I think, important things to 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 look at and go through this process as you're praying. You know, as a man, I realized this wasn't God's will. This wasn't his plan. The Lord forgive me uh, and Lord change me. Uh, and then and then do look hopeful for the future um, because I thankfully I do. God is a God of, of grace and, and, and a God of of restoration. So does that make sense? Is that helpful? Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's kind of what because I was praying about it this morning and um, just you know, I was asking God, basically, yeah, would I be able to, because um, I've, I've prayed for forgiveness. I know what I screwed up in. I, did, I went through counseling after my divorce. Um, and like I said, it, it was it was a while ago. And so mm-hmm. I feel like I, I've had that restoration. And as mm-hmm. I was praying about it, I felt a peace about if, if I was to get remarried again in the future, um, but yeah, so I'm I'm still kind of still kind of praying about it and working through it yeah. and stuff. But just just also wanted to get some some godly counsel on it as well. So. You bet. Can I pray for you, Jacob? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. 
Father, thanks for Jacob, and Lord, thanks for his life. And God, we do thank you that you're a God of, of restoration uh, and forgiveness and grace. And Lord, as we look back on our lives, Lord, we do see sin and, and times where uh, we had a hard heart before you. And Lord, I just pray you continue to show Jacob what he needs to know from from you. And Lord, we claim your promise that you tell us in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven that you know the thoughts you think towards us, that of peace and not of evil, uh, to give us a future and a hope. And I thank you for that future and hope that you have for Jacob. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you very it, much. It, Hey, Jacob, before I let you go, I just want to encourage you with Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. You know, God spoke that promise uh, to the children of Israel when they were being taken captive because of their sin. And God's, God's sending them into captivity uh, and correcting them. But he says, hey, I want you to know that I know the thoughts I think towards you, that of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And that's God's heart towards us, even when we're wayward, even when we as believers uh, make make uh, sinful choices and he corrects us out of his love. That loving father says, hey, I know that I'm correcting you, but I do have a future and a hope for you. And just hold on to that. You know, God, God still has a future and a hope for us, even in spite of us, you know, and don't let the enemy uh, speak condemnation in, in, into your life. You know, uh, God, God's got that that promise of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 11 uh, for us as believers. Okay, awesome. So, Thank uh, you very much for, yeah. for that encouragement and for the prayer. Yeah. Um, I'll definitely think about that and consider it. Thank you. You bet. God bless you, Jacob. Thanks for calling. All right, thanks. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Eric. The number is 303-690-3000. Also, you can send a text at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Mark in Kansas. Mark, welcome to the program. Hey, how's it going? Uh, Pastor Nate, correct? Uh, This is Eric, Pastor Eric. Oh, Eric Cartier, okay. Um, By the way, I was listening uh, while I was on hold to Jacob's uh, conundrum and uh, you know, I, my heart goes out to him. I, I feel feel for him. Um, this sort of kind of has a similar bent to it. Uh, obviously okay. Obviously, a prayer request, but also, and the, the part that somewhat ties into what Jacob was dealing with is how can you decipher and know that the one that you're married to is uh, a Christ follower? And my specific question is this, uh, you know, in the Bible where it talks about in the end times, uh, individuals falling away from Christ, being led astray, and uh, I believe that right now I'm in spiritual warfare, and okay. uh, that my family essentially uh, has done that and has been misled, uh, and I'm kind of fighting for my life. Uh, okay. And so the question is, how do you discern confusion, misunderstanding, ordinary mundane things from truly falling away from Christ, because I don't see any Corinthians love at all, and I believe okay. if you don't have love, you don't have anything. Yeah. You know, I think there's a couple of things to examine. You know, uh, the first is, you know, where are they at with Christ in terms of their belief in Christ and their surrender to Christ? Um, you know, and when you're asking those questions, do you do you believe in Christ? Do you believe in his death and resurrection? Are are you submitted to his lordship of, of seeing the need for him to be in control of your life? And then also the, the scripture encourages us uh, to also examine the fruit. Uh, um, 
to look at uh, the, the to ask that question of um, we'll know them by their fruits um, as well. Um, Mark, do I still have you there with me? You, you do. I'm sorry. I don't know uh, if that's a tornado here in Kansas or what specifically. But, uh, okay. So, so it's a matter of judging their fruits and, and looking at the, at the heart, not, yeah. not other things. Okay. And then uh, is is this uh, is your spouse going through this? Do you feel like your spouse is potentially having fall, fallen away from the Lord or, or denied the Lord? I, I believe at this point in time it seems like it's the entire family. Okay, yeah. Man, I'd really want to pray for you and rally around you, and I would just en- encourage you, if that is the case, and they have turned from the Lord and, and walked away from the Lord, uh, is to love them the way you would love an unbeliever. Yeah, and I know that's a it's a hard one to, to switch your thinking on and to put on that hat, but if they've if they've walked away from God, um, you know, how would I treat a, an unbeliever? What kind of conversations would I have with an unbeliever? How would I try to be pointing them uh, to Christ? And uh, we'll pray for for God to do a, a resurrection type of work in in your family. Which is exactly so. why I'm I'm hoping that they'll get right vertically with the Lord because yeah. I had no doubt in their faith and belief prior to this, but. Mm. There weren't a ton of fruit, you know, it was more a matter of just kind of lackadaisically following the Lord as opposed to being truly committed and, and putting Him first in, in our lives. And, and I was yeah. thinking of that to some extent as well, and now yeah. I'm putting the Lord first, and yeah. my real concern is like for the complete lack of love that's being shown, and the, uh, the hatred, the, the attacking and whatnot, so... Hmm. I think I understood is basically look at the fruits, which I believe is both positive and negative as to whatever they're doing. Uh, mm-hmm. That's either good fruit or bad fruit, correct? Right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's okay. right. So let me pray for you. Okay. Thank you. Father, my heart uh, goes out to Mark and what he's walking through. And Lord, we do know that there's a, a real intense spiritual battle and we pray that you would uh, protect his family from the enemy and from the lies of the enemy. And we pray for your truth, Lord, to to resound. And uh, Lord, you know their hearts uh, and they, you know exactly where they are with you. Uh, we just pray, God, that you would be gracious to reintroduce yourself uh, to his family and they would get that vertical relationship right. Uh, Lord, if they've walked away from you, that they would come back. Lord, if they've denied you, that they would, would come back, Lord. And if they never truly surrendered to you, that they would be, be born again. Um, and Lord, I pray that you would give Mark great wisdom and grace and allow him to focus on you like he never has before, uh, that you would put believers into uh, his family family's life, Lord, at work, in their neighborhoods and schools and churches, Lord, that just there, you would bring believers that could be that encouragement, that source of truth and that salt and light. So we just pray, Lord, you are the God of the resurrection and we pray that you would bring life where there's death. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the only other, and I, I thank you so much for that, is where it talks about uh, he who begins a good work and you will be faithful to complete it. Yeah. Um, we in our sin can miss the mark in, in God's plans for us. Mm-hmm. Is it possible that it's more along those lines, that they're just deep in sin and it's not truly having turned away from the Lord? They're just not, they're living 
they're, they're, they're following the guidance of, of maybe one of Satan's minions as opposed to the Lord, and they're just confused, as opposed to truly falling away? Yeah, the, you know, that's a, we see both possibilities in Scripture. You know, there's, there's Scriptures that talk about uh, someone falling away, and then we see the promise of God completing that good work that He started within us, and uh, we see more of a backslidden Christian or a carnal Christian or, or the prodigal who, who has, has walk, walked away. Uh, and ultimately, you know, God knows, knows the heart and, and, and knows if the, the heart, uh, truly believed and surrendered to Christ. And, and, uh, I think if someone really has committed their heart to Christ and believes in Christ, even though they're struggling and compromising, uh, God will be faithful to complete that good work that he's, he started in them. Um, and I wouldn't get too concerned, uh, you know, trying to sort out that question. Uh, are they, have they denied their faith or ha- are they a backslidden believer? But either way, their their fellowship needs to be restored with Christ. Um, and, right. and they and so really just continuing to pray and focus in that uh, direction um, is ultimately it does come down to they're not abiding in the vine, you know, it, it, in and 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 then uh, to to go from from that place and so I'll really be praying for you and praying for your family thank you so very much you bet God bless you Mark you're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Eric Cartier the number is 303-690-3000 or also you can send a text at 720-336-0897 Let's go to line three to Kathy in Ocean City, New Jersey. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? Good. I'm doing good. Thank you. Um, I called because I feel really terrible for what's going on for the people in Houston. Mm-hmm. And it you know, it makes you look at things differently. I mean, we had a hurricane here. It was a hurricane, but the Lord blessed us, and it didn't hit us as hard as a lot of people got hit. Hmm. And um, I helped out a little. I did some volunteer work, which was nice, but these people are really they're suffering so much. And um, I just think about things like this, I yeah. guess. Just the way God does. I think people in the we're all God's people, and I don't like to see anyone suffer. And um, I want you to pray with me so that God will make a way. If I could just go for a few days to do something, and you know, yeah. to God be the pray for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's pray about that. And it is uh, overwhelming what's going on in Houston, and then with Hurricane Irma coming into Florida as well in the next yeah. few days. So, yeah, yeah, let's let's pray for this. Father, it just seems like there's been so many uh, disasters uh, here in the last uh, few weeks. And, Lord, we do think of everyone in Houston and pray for your comfort and your peace. And thank you for people that are giving and rallying and going and, and helping. And, Lord, as Kathy has a heart to do that, I just pray that you would open up the doors uh, for her uh, to be able to go, if that's your will, and be used used by you. Uh, and we pray that you would 
provide and that you would bring hope in the midst of the situation. We just pray for your hand of protection over Florida and and all those that have already been affected in the Caribbean and the earthquake today uh, in Mexico. And so, God, we know that this world is uncertain, uh, but but you've overcome this world. And so we look to you and pray for your comfort and peace. Amen. 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 You know, Kathy, if you're looking for a good place to plug in down there, I know that uh, Calvary Chapel Houston uh, is taking volunteers, uh, and and uh, their website is calvaryh.org, uh, and you could look them up online. I did call Samaritan's yeah. Purse last night, but they said they'd call me in a few days, and, you yeah. know, I was hoping to go sooner. I have a job to work, and that's why I just wanted to see if I could just go as quick as possible, but it's yeah. Calvary Chapel. Could you repeat that? Yep. Yeah. Their website is just calvaryh.org. So just, just calvaryh.org. And the name of the church is Calvary Chapel Houston, but their website's just calvaryh.org. Oh, okay. God bless well, you, Kathy. Thanks, thanks for your heart, and uh, we'll be praying God opens the door for you to be able to go. Well, if not, he wants me here to do something here for somebody. And as Joyce Meyer says, get yourself off your mind. <laughs> yeah, yep. Well, God bless you, Kathy. Have a great, great night. Thanks. God bless you, too. And um, hmm. and I have a great church that I have. I go to Mission Point and Summers Point, so I am blessed. It's a good awesome. church. Awesome. Pra- praise right. the Lord Keep for that. Keep doing what you're doing. Okay, thanks, Kathy. All right, bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Eric Cartier. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to jump over and take a few text questions that have come in. If you'd like to send me a text, you can do that at 720-336-0897. said, hi, I had a question concerning the role of the Holy Spirit during the tribulation. Will people who come to Christ during that time be indwelt by the Holy Spirit? Or will the Holy Spirit be taken away completely? Uh, after the rapture. Um, and so as we look at the, the tribulation, I think that your question probably comes out of First uh, Thessalonians, uh, where it talks about, um, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, and its role uh, during that time. Uh, and without being able to get into this into too much detail, I think we have to look at and realize the gospel is the gospel no matter what time period. And part of the gospel is uh, that when you receive Christ as your Savior, you become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So I do think that those uh, tribulation believers will receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But we do see a realm uh, where the Holy Spirit seems to uh, let go in a sense uh, of, of restraining society. You know, there's a, there's an element where the Holy Spirit is, is working and restraining it and that seems to be lifted by the Holy Spirit during during the tribulation so to answer your question I think the Holy Spirit will sense uh, release that governor uh, um, uh, but will continue to indwell Holy Spirit that governor upon uh, society so thanks for uh, sending in uh, that question Another question that has come in says, From my understanding, angels are created beings and cannot reproduce. So why do people think the Nephilim are giants, uh, that we were made uh, from angels fornicating with humans? 
were they not just men that descended from the bloodline of Seth? Uh, this, in a sense, is a million-dollar question. You know, it's a question that has been uh, debated out of the book of Genesis. Uh, in the beginning portion there, uh, are the Nephilim uh, fallen angels uh, having fornication uh, with the son, sons of men, or they they descendants from the, the line of, of Seth? And so uh, there's some good arguments on both sides uh, of this. Um, and I do see your point uh, when we look at... Uh, angels uh, in, in eternity uh, that they are not married or given in marriage. But one thing to, to keep in mind uh, is this is fallen angels and it's here on earth. It's it's not uh, in heaven. So uh, I can't solve that one for you. I think that's one uh, to be dogmatic on. We will have to wait until uh, we get home to be with the Lord. Thanks for sending me that uh, text question as well. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Eric Cartier. The number is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Also, you can send a text at 720-336-0897. Again, that text number is 720-336-0897. We're going to head to a break, so please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Eric Cartier in Colorado Springs at Rocky Mountain Calvary. The number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. If you're at a place where... You're really needing a breakthrough. Maybe there's confusion in your life and you're wondering what God's Word has to say about your situation. Would like to go to God's throne in prayer. Please give me a call, 303-690-3000. Also, you can send a text at 720-336-0897. Let's go back to our phone lines and let's go to Daniel on line two. Daniel and Aurora, welcome to the program. Hello, how are you doing today? Good, how are uh, you? I'm doing well. Um I just had a question. I'm a newer Christian, so I've been digging into the Bible quite a bit, trying to get some understanding, and I've ran into some things that were mildly concerning, and I just wanted to make sure I'm not drawing any conclusions. Um, okay. So, uh, when we, I started studying the biblical feast days, and uh. when I got to the Feast of First Fruits, it states that that's when Jesus actually rose from the grave. So if the Bible is telling us to celebrate the Feast of First Fruits, and that's when Jesus rose from the grave, then I was feeling conflicted as to why was I celebrating Easter that says that that's when he rose from the grave. So then at that point, I was starting to wonder, well, is that the same thing as idol worship? Like, you know, Daniel got thrown into the lion's den because he wouldn't worship the idol. So that started giving me mild concerns is, am I committing idol worship because the Bible states you should be following this day, we're scrapping his day, and we're going for man's day, is how I, I started viewing it once I started reading it and I found out what the feast day was for. Yeah, it's a good good question. So basically, you're 
your question is like celebrating the resurrection of Christ on Easter uh, is that idolatry or uh, pagan worship? Correct, because the, the Bible states that we're supposed to celebrate it on the Feast of First Fruits, and that's his day, and that's his, his chosen day. Yeah. Well, let me kind of go into the background a little bit. Um, each of the feasts in the Old Testament do point to Christ and the fulfillment of Christ, uh, and Christ being risen on the on the, the feast of first fruits is the fulfillment of of that that feast. And ultimately, the resurrection of Christ is something that we want to celebrate every every day of our lives. You know, it, it impacts us every day that we're alive uh, as as a believer. Um, and then the the roots of Easter uh, do have pagan roots. Uh, when 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 Constantine got saved, uh, uh, he then took pagan holidays and and tried to Christianize them or bring Christian meaning into uh, the, these Christian uh, holidays. Um, and so, I, I think where each believer has to really sort this out in their own heart whether they feel comfortable celebrating Christmas uh, and Easter. Uh, you know, those aren't the actual days that Christ was born. We don't know the actual day that Christ was born. Uh, it's not the, the actual day that Christ uh, was resurrected. Uh, in my heart, I have peace celebrating Christmas uh, and in Easter because I know I'm not worshiping the Christmas tree or I'm not worshiping of these false gods that were, were tied to the origins okay. of, of Easter. But and are really we see, mixing then at that point the holy with the unholy and the unclean with the clean? And you look at Ezekiel, I think it's 22, verse 26 or 25, and it talks about the priest don't care to make a distinction between the holy and the unholy anymore. Yeah, and for me, I don't feel like it falls into that category because it's not, we're not going the direction of of taking some, we're not pointing people to a pagan god. We're, we're pointing people to Christ's so death and resurrection. And we're trying to Christian it, though. So we're taking something and we're trying to to make it something that it's not, though. Because because God told us which day that we're supposed to be celebrating it, and then we choose not to, and we choose to obey man's law. You know, there's. I can definitely see your view uh, on that. You know, but I'm not trying to take anybody to pagan roots um, um, in that. And ultimately, I think it is what every believer has to sort out. And then even with the Feast of of First Fruits, um, the Feast of Weeks, is God in the New Covenant doesn't want us fixed on a day. Uh, the resurrection took place to impact impact every day. And so I think that that's a, a real point of, of emphasis as well. Um, and just to try to be clear, you know, there's there's things that are clearly sinful and unclean, like God's message on sexuality. Uh, and there's a lot of churches and pastors that are, are saying, nope, that's not God's message. Uh, and, and God's okay with, with all of this and gives his blessing. And, and I don't think churches or pastors celebrating Christ's resurrection on Easter is is that type of, of compromise, and it's important to make the the distinction. Um, but it's definitely worth having the discussion and praying through. And I, I think God's God's love on this wins out. If there's believers that don't feel comfortable celebrating Christmas and Easter, man, there's good logic for that. And I think if there's those that that do feel comfortable celebrating uh, Christmas and Easter without going to the pagan roots and looking to the birth of Christ and the resurrection of Christ, I, I think that that is is wonderful as well. So I don't know if that's helpful. 
sure, I guess. That's kind of what I get a lot of times when I ask the question, and it's never really uh, too direct of a question, but I've always felt like if we're supposed to, if we look at Hebrews chapter 4, um, the the Lord comes as a double-edged sword, and His 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 word divides the spirit and and the soul sharply, um, mm-hmm. and we need to be discerning all of this. I believe. So. Yeah, and I agree that that's what the word of God does. And and you know, again, like I explained, I th- I, I do think there's this is one of those issues. There's yeah, I there's think it's freedom okay, in though, until you know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like if I was married and I had a wife and. Then I got divorced, and then I had a new wife, and I just was celebrating the new wife's birthday when the ex-wife was. And then at, at five years later, the wife's like, hey, you know what? My birthday is actually not that day. I might want to celebrate yeah. it on the right day. So I could see when I don't know and in my ignorance, I'm celebrating the wrong day. But then once I know there's pagan roots and I'm trying to make that clean, then I think there's an issue with it. And that's where yeah. my soul is is being convicted, I guess. Right. And it sounds like to me, I think God's really leading you in that direction and just in all honesty, you know, when I celebrate the resurrection on Easter, I don't feel any connection to the pagan roots or, or, or feel like I'm trying to to Christianize it. I'm I'm celebrating the the resurrection of Christ. So I think there's freedom in this for God's charity, God's love to win out in the discussion. But I appreciate you calling. It's great talking well, with you about you so it. And yeah, God bless you. Have a great Have day. Bye bye. Bye bye. You're listening to Calvary Live with Pastor Eric Cartier. The number is 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. And let's go to Ryan in Greeley. Ryan, welcome to the program. Ryan, are you still there? All right, let's try line three with Brooke in Pennsylvania. Brooke, welcome to the program. Thank you. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. Good. What's on your mind today? I had a question. Uh, I grew up in Assembly of God Church, and my husband grew up in a Catholic church. And I'm just trying to get an understanding of the way that he was raised in church, things like that. And I guess my question really comes down to um, when it comes involved with, like, praying to saints, like saying the rosary or the Hail Marys, or like if you lose something, to pray to St. Anthony, things like that, because I was never brought up that way, and I've never, I never truly read the Bible cover to cover, so I don't want to be ignorant in anything that I say, but I guess my question would be, you know, I never, I never learned or heard or read of Jesus teaching the disciples to pray to saints. So I was right. just a little curious, I guess, as to, you know, is that something that, because in my own ignorance, I looked at it as, I'm like, okay, well, isn't that almost like, not an idol, but, you know, praying to somebody other than God, I didn't really view that as something that was acceptable as to the way that I was raised. So I just didn't know what your viewpoints were on it. Yeah, it's a great question, and I think we always have to go back to uh, the Word of God and and Christ's teaching. And the disciples came to Jesus, and they said, uh, "Teach us to pray." Um, and they saw the prayer life of Jesus, and and they're saying, "We we want to learn to to pray." 
Uh, and then Jesus then instructed them and said, you know, when you pray, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, uh, your will be done. And so he, he directed them to the Father, uh, to direct their prayers towards uh, the Father. And we don't see anywhere in Scripture, Old Testament or New Testament, where we were encouraged to pray to uh, to saints, to uh, believers who have passed away that are now uh, with the Lord. We we even don't have any indication that that they could even hear us. Um, uh, and so, uh, I I think it can be a distraction for people uh, when they're praying to Mary or praying to a saint. Uh, instead of uh, praying to the Father. Um, and, and the best thing is to just always go back to the Word and, and allow the Word of God to be the authority. Uh, but but someone who's in Catholicism or coming out of Catholicism, that can be a, a real stumbling block or a real difficulty to get out of their mind that I don't need to be praying to saints. I can go directly to the Father. Right. And uh, I do have another question in regards to... Um, selling things in a church. For example, there's, I don't know if there's a lot of craft fairs where you are, but there's a lot of craft fairs where I am, and uh, they're sometimes done in like a church hall or things like that. And I just remind myself of this scripture, this passage in the Bible when, you know, Jesus flipped over the table because they were selling things in the temple. Is that something that's similar that you think shouldn't be done? I think the context of that is really uh, important. Is one, it was a time when people were coming in to worship, uh, when the the selling was taking place, uh, and then also it was very clear. Jesus said that you've made this a den of thieves, uh, and so they were ripping people off. Uh, you know, they would come in uh, needing a sacrifice to offer in the temple, and they'd say, "Well, here's a temple approved of, and it's going to cost you way more than than it, than it was worth." Or, or sorry, uh, you know, your your sacrifice isn't approved, so you can't offer that one. You, you've got to offer this one. And, and they really were using worship as a way to rip people off. And, and so it's not necessarily that it's wrong for things to be sold in churches, uh, you know, to, to bless people. What's wrong is for people to get ripped off uh, in the church, you know, where where uh, they're, they're actually being taken advantage of. That That's the hard of why Jesus overturned the the tables it's not necessarily that it's wrong to to sell a craft or sell a cup of coffee but it would be wrong to to uh, you know sell that cup of coffee or that craft at an unfair price and then use worship as the screws to to kind of manipulate somebody into buying it like if you really want to be close to God you've got to have this cup of coffee and it's going to cost you ten dollars you know uh, that's kind of what was taking place there. And then my final question would be, um, have you ever heard that, like, the Catholic Bible was the original Bible? And I do know that my husband has a Catholic Bible, and there's books in there that are not in my Bible. And um, I was just kind of wondering what your perspective was in regards to that. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, 
and in the Catholic Bible, they have some books called the Book of the Maccabees uh, that are at the end of the Old Testament that aren't uh, included in uh, the Protestant uh, uh, Bible. And the reason for that is those those Book of Ma- Maccabees are good books of history, like they give us a good idea of, of events that took place. But what is taught in those Book of Maccabees don't hold up to the rest of the teaching of the Bible. And, and so the, so there's a discrepancy on what, what they teach. Teach, and so that's why that they're not included uh, in uh, the Protestant uh, Bible, and and so um, you know a, a, a committed Catholic would say, you know, we our Bible is the one true Bible, uh, and then we would we would say, well, well, no, we don't feel that way because the teaching in the back Maccabees doesn't line up with the rest of Scripture. So does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. You got a lot of great questions. That's 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 great. Can I pray for you, Brooke, and you you and your husband as you talk these things through, and and uh, just that the Lord would bless your conversations. Yeah. Okay. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness, and uh, I thank you for Brooke and her husband. And Lord, as they talk through uh, these things, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, really encourage them and that you would uh, bless them and just pour out your spirit upon them and uh, just really continue to guide them and direct them. And we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Can I ask you one quick final question? Yeah, Uh, absolutely. When someone passes away, I hear from like my mother-in-law, like about purgatory, and I don't really understand that. I just, I don't really understand that at all. <laughs> yeah. Because I kind so of, pur- uh, in my own mind, um, this may be, you know, not the right way to think, but I just think, you know, if someone is a believer and accepted Jesus as their Savior, that when they pass away, then they go to heaven, and that's why, you know, Jesus died on the cross for those who want to believe in Him and accept that salvation, and they you know, go to heaven, and the whole Judgment Day, I get that, but the whole holding place, purgatory thing, I don't really understand. Yeah. So the the Catholic teaching of purgatory, you know, is that that after death, a person can go to to purgatory, where then there's the possibility to go to heaven uh, and not go go to hell, to the point where you can try to pray pray someone out of purgatory into heaven. Uh, and the Bible's really clear that once you die, uh, you enter into judgment. You either know Christ or you don't. Um, and in, in John 3, like verses 16, and then going on into verse 17 and 18, Jesus is saying, like, if you believe, you're saved unto eternal life. But if you don't believe, you're condemned already. And that's what the urgency is about this life, uh, is you really have to choose whether you uh, receive and believe in Christ in this life. And if you don't, then it, it's too late. So that, that teaching of purgatory, in my mind, doesn't line up with, with the Word of God. Right. So, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. You bet. God bless you, Brooke. Thank you. Bye-bye. I want to take some uh, text questions that have come in. Thank you guys for uh, using the text line as well. There's some great uh, text questions that have come in. It says, why uh, was there marriage in Eden when they were in God's presence to begin with? I love this question. And this this to me shows just the real value of, of marriage. And to have a, a biblical view of marriage, I think, is so important. As you look at God's creation there in the Genesis 
account, and God says everything is good as he's going through his creation. And this is before sin, before the fallen state, and he gets to Adam, and he goes, it's not good for man to dwell alone. So even though Adam has perfect fellowship with God, the way that God has designed Adam is the need for companionship inside of marriage between a man and a woman. And you know the story from there. God uh, creates Eve and Adam wakes up and says, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And we see God's institution of marriage. And so God in and of himself is sufficient and we find our ultimate fulfillment in him. And then God in his infinite plan and his design has given us the blessing of marriage. And so the fact that uh, Adam and Eve uh, needed to be married even before they were fallen shows for the glory of God's plan for marriage. I would encourage everybody listening, uh, if you're married or single, go back to the Genesis account and read again uh, God's plan and purposes for marriage. It's it's really uh, powerful. Another text question that comes in, I need prayer for my wife. Uh, She has left the Lord Uh, She was uh, serving with me in ministry, but she quit. Uh, Please pray for God to clear her mind and show her the way. Me and my kids are worried. Thank you, God bless. So let's let's pray for this right now. Father, my heart just uh, goes out to this husband as he is uh, really broken over what's going on with his wife. And, and Lord, I just pray that you uh, would really reach out uh, to his wife and remind her of her first love. And we thank you for your unconditional love. And would you continue to pursue her? I pray that you give the kids peace uh, in this situation and just pour out your grace upon them and that his wife would uh, come back to you. So we lift this up to you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Another uh, text question that has come in. It says, uh, um, can you, uh, I love this question as well. These are just some great text questions. Wanted to make sure I got uh, to these. Uh, Can you tell us what each item of the armor of God is for? I've heard of it, but not sure what every item is for, how to use them. Being a younger Christian, I wanted to learn and know uh, more on this. And so I want to direct you to Ephesians chapter 6. This is a great question. It's so important for all of us as believers. As first, Paul writes uh, in Ephesians 6, and he says that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places, that there really is a spiritual uh, battle. And so to put on uh, the whole armor of God. And the first element of the armor of God is the helmet of salvation uh, that we have been given uh, from from the Lord. And, and so that helmet of salvation, how we use it is to protect our thoughts. The, the battle is won and in lost in our thoughts. And, and to go, is this a thought of salvation? Is this a thought that is helping me to remember that I'm forgiven in the blood of Jesus Christ, that I'm saved and I'm going to heaven? So that's the, the helmet of salvation. And then we have been given the, the breastplate of righteousness, and, and the breastplate of righteousness speaks of the righteousness of Christ. And how we apply that in the spiritual battle is Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And so we hold on to that breastplate of righteousness of going, I am forgiven. And, and when Satan throws his fiery darts at us to be able to hold on to that breastplate of righteousness. And then we another is that we see is the shield of faith. 
And uh, this shield of faith is trusting God and his faithfulness, his character, his, his, his word, and it quenches the fiery darts uh, of the enemy. So the enemy's throwing discouragement at us, throwing temptation at us, and we hold on to the promises of God. And we see Jesus uh, quoting the word of God out loud. And so it's, it's the, the shield of faith, that faith in God's character and his, his word. And so that's how we use the shield of faith. And the sword of the Spirit... Uh, this is using the Word of God and, and not necessarily quoting a whole entire chapter, but a specific verse that has to do with a specific temptation or situation. Matthew 4, Jesus was being tempted by Satan and he quoted the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by the, the Word of God. And that's how we use the, the sword of the Spirit. Another uh, part of the armor of God is that our loins are girt about with, with truth. And for a, a Roman soldier, uh, their belt would be what everything hung off of in the armor, similar to our modern day uh, police officers. And so it's the truth of, of God's word that is our anchor as we fight this uh, spiritual battle. And then we see that our feet are shod with the the gospel of peace, that every step that we take, uh, we know that we're saved. We're going home to be with the Lord, and we're sharing Christ uh, with as many as, as possible. And as we hold on to the armor of God in prayer, we submit to God, resist the devil, uh, he'll flee from us. So I want to encourage you uh, to read Ephesians chapter 6. And I want to pray for you as well. Uh, Father, I thank you for Liz who sent in this text question. Thank you that she's a new believer. God, I just pray that you would show her how to use the armor of God and to be able to resist uh, the attack of the enemy. And so we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for those uh, text question. I want to go to Dave on line two in Cherry Hills, uh, New Jersey. Dave, welcome to the program. Dave, are you there in Cherry Hills? All right, let's try line three. Oh, yeah, I can hear you now. Are you, are you, hey, Frank, how are you doing, Dave? Uh, yeah, thank you for uh, welcoming me. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, that. you bet. Yeah. Um, so, quick question for you. Um, I don't know how quick it is, but um, my question is, so I personally don't believe in, like, the rapture. I was um, taught um, always that we're God's army and that we're going to be here, um, and understanding the fact that before the end, like, before Jesus comes back, um, the Antichrist is actually going to come before him. And we okay. need to be strong and be his army and be here for that time. So the rapture to me sounds like you're being picked up before trouble starts, but you should be a believer and you should, you know, you should be comfortable to be here. So, so that's kind of your kind of question for you. Like, okay. I mean, yeah. uh, do you believe um, when you guys think of rapture, do you believe uh, it's before the Antichrist comes back? Um, or, you know, the Antichrist comes and then before Jesus comes? Or are yeah. you saying that we fly away? Yeah, so First uh, Thessalonians 4, uh, from verse 13 to 18, really gives us the, the teaching of the rapture. Um, and I'll, I'll just read a, a section of that. Uh, it says, For I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who've fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Christ. 
For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who fall asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and then this is what speaks of the rapture, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Uh, and that phrase, caught up, uh, in the Latin is raptuso, where we get the English word rapture. So I think we can be confident that there is this biblical teaching of rapture. The question is when, and I think that's what you're really getting at. Is yes, is, is the rapture? That, that's, that's a great point. That that is uh, the when, and because it sounds like to me it's when actually it's called. You know, when he calls out at that point, your your body's changing from a regular body right. to a spiritual body. Right. So there's kind of uh, three primary positions. There's, well, really four. The first is pre-trib, prior to the tribulation. Then the other is is mid-tribulation. And then the other is the end of tribulation. And then the fourth is uh, however it pans out, you know, uh, uh, where we we really don't know. Uh, For me personally, I I believe in a pre-tribulation rapture view. Uh, You know, there's a lot of other Bible teachers and commentaries that that, that see it differently um, uh, in you know, it's kind of a long discussion as as, as to why, uh, uh, but um, you know, those are the primary primary views um, uh, that you know really the the church has kind of debated throughout the ages. Understood. No, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So it sounds like um, it sounds like because that verse could be used. I mean, uh, in both ways, and, and I I appreciate that. But thank you, Pastor, for taking my you, call. You bet. Yeah, God bless you, Dave. Thanks for calling. You too. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. That's a that's a great question that Dave uh, brought uh, to to the table. And like I was saying, I personally believe in a pre-tribulation uh, rapture view, uh, but it is one of those things that, that Christians have seen uh, differently. Uh, it's not an essential in terms of uh, if we're saved by our view on the rapture, the timing of the rapture, we're saved on our view of, of the gospel. And, and so we can rally around the gospel uh, together. Uh, and that's a probably a great discussion for future shows as well, really looking at uh, the teaching of of the rapture. Well, guys, we're just about out of time. Thank you so much for, for taking the opportunity to join me today. It's been a blessing uh, to be able to talk with you. I just want to remind you of how we began in Psalms uh, 23, where we know that Jesus is our good shepherd. And I'm, I'm sure you've had a tough week and there's challenges in your life. And I just want you to know that Jesus is with you and he desires to comfort you and bring Bring you to still waters and restore your soul. So thank you again for listening. Pray that God blesses you and you have a great weekend in the Lord. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be sure to tell a friend about Grace FM.